Andy, I've said many times the Yampa is probably one of my most favorite rivers in the in the U.S. And I've fished it several times in different areas, but uh, I think our float that we did was probably probably my most memorable float, maybe that I've taken for trout. So I want to kick this episode off by taking like an aerial view down the river to kind of give everybody in the audience, all of us, uh, an idea of where the river starts and where it where it ends or flows into. And if we could stop along the way and just describe some of the sections of water as you go down, I think that'll get every, get everybody a, a good overall look at the river. And I know that it's a it's a floating river that we can float most some of the year and then it's a wading river some of the year. So if you could kind of point some of that time out, that'd be fantastic too. Oh yeah. They call the Yampa the last largest free-flowing tributary of the Colorado River. And it's pretty special, unique resource that we got up here in northwest Colorado, kind of a, a less visited corner of the state. And funny enough, it does go through several reservoirs, but up high it is freestone, high mountain creeks with cutthroat and brook trout and all that kind of stuff. Super pretty things going on up in the flat tops there. And you can access that up out of Oak Creek and really small 10 foot wide creeks, dry flies, riffles, all that kind of stuff. Hike to kind of stuff. Lots of little creeks. There's, there's two different books. One of them's called hiking the boat and one of them's called fishing the boat. And both of those describe all the different little creeks and, and reservoirs and lakes up in the mountains there. But the first reservoir it enters is called Stillwater Reservoir up in the mountains there. It's at the end, end of a dirt road, way up in the mountains, super pretty. Flat top mountains, they, they are what they sound like. They're totally flat on top. It's really strange, but green, wildflowers, mushrooms growing everywhere, and eager little trout to take dry flies, something everybody can relate to, right? Yeah, sounds terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. All kinds of cool hikes up there that are, aren't fishing too, if you want to do that kind of stuff. So between Stillwater Reservoir and the next reservoir that's maybe three or four miles down is called Bear Reservoir. It's a fairly fast moving stretch of river, pretty riffly, somewhat high gradient, but there's a small stretch that might be a mile in there that's a gorgeous meadow stream just winding back and forth between oxbows. And a lot of whitefish in there, a lot of brook trout, some cutthroat, a bunch of rainbows. And then it dumps into another reservoir shortly down there called Yamcola. And all these inlets and outlets are really good to fish too. Super easy fishing up there too. Dry flies, little leeches, stuff like that. Uh, so then it dumps into Yamcola Reservoir via another kind of steepish, riffly stretch of water. So there's three reservoirs up in the mountain there. Then it drops out of there and you got probably five miles of fast, riffly little water too. That's also free weight water is what I like to call it, where you're catching little fish mm -hmm. on mostly dry flies. Super mm -hmm. fun. And then it starts to enter some private property that the some of the local fly shops lease. And you can fish that kind of stuff if you want to book a fishing trip through some of the fly shops in town. Mostly kind of stocks trout kind of fishing, mostly nymphing and that kind of stuff. And then it enters Stagecoach Reservoir. And Stagecoach Reservoir has a section 
of river right above it called the headwaters, which is a couple miles long, kind of thick brush on either side. Again, small riffly water, but there can be some big fish in there because of that lake. They move up and up and down out of there. One time I caught like a 32 inch rainbow up out of there, out of the lake. It was wild out of a eight foot wide Creek. So a lake run rainbow is basically what that was. Probably. Yeah. It was a yeah. lake run rainbow and yeah. there's lake run Browns in there. And again, there's some small fish. There's walleye in there in the spring. Mm. One of the coolest things about the Yampa is there's all kinds of different stuff going on. Yeah. Super, super variable. Yeah. Uh, stagecoach reservoir itself is really good fishing too. It's pretty big. Right. Uh, nymphing for rainbow trout streamer fishing for a pretty good size rainbow trout 32 would be about the biggest fish you'd ever see in there but that's not out of the question to catch a 25 inch rainbow out of that lake if you put mm. your time in and throw some leeches off some likely spots and there's a big old dam at the bottom of stagecoach and enters the stagecoach tailwater six tenths of a mile of public fishing water Tons of fish, cool sight fishing, a lot of fishermen. So you got to kind of find your spot and squeak in there. <laughs> Mostly nymph fishing, kind of standard tailwater stuff, little tiny flies, 6X, 5X. Yeah. Looking at fish, hoping someone doesn't high hole you kind of thing. Fun to spend some time at, but not my favorite kind of thing. They're a little picky in there, aren't they? The, the fish are There's, a little bit picky. <laughs> they're pretty picky. Yeah. They see a, They see a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then it goes through a couple miles of private water, and we enter this the Sarvis Creek section, which is several miles long. It's had a bunch of work done. And that stretch can have some monster fish also from the next reservoir downstream in the spring. Oh. Big lake run rainbows be up to 30 inches as well. And those can be in the river anywhere from February through middle of May. Okay. Uh, very much so like steelhead. Especially yeah. like Great Lakes steelhead, Lake Run Rainbows. Okay. Really pretty fish out of Catamount Reservoir, which is our next reservoir, which is fairly small, totally private, can't touch it. And then it is partially top release, and it goes into a bunch of private property below that reservoir, and then enters another public spot called Chuck Lewis, which is a few miles long, and then Town, which is six miles long. And that's where it kind of changes character and becomes a freestone. Yeah. You can stick some boats in there, little rafts. There's a little whitewater stretch through town. It's pretty cool. Through the town of Steamboat. Through the town of Steamboat. Yeah. Yeah. You can fish a bunch of stuff in town there. All kinds of different fish in there. There's pike in there. There's rainbows. There's cutbows. There's big browns. All kinds of hatches going on. And then you go through, you kind of enter the floating stretches. So from there to the next public access is 20 miles, which is a really long float, but it's super sweet. The next access would be Pump House, which is a bridge and a public boat ramp. And then the next access is another 15 miles. All these stretches are pretty long. And the river continues to get tributaries and continues to get a lot bigger. Yeah. And it's a full-on river. Today, that river was 3,000 CFS or something like that. Huh. Pretty good size. Yeah. In the summertime, it'll get down to 200 CFS, so very weightable. Yeah. And then 
below Pump House, there's Yampa River State Park, 15 miles downriver. There's a little bit of wade fishing there. And then seven miles down from that is Dorsey, which is kind of your last of the trout water, but certainly not the last of your floating water. Down from there, there's various boat ramps and smallmouth and pike kind of become more popular. Okay. For miles and miles and eventually hits the Green River in a big whitewater canyon, multi-day whitewater canyon over in Utah. Oh. Then it'll eventually hit the Colorado River. I thought it went right into the Colorado. I didn't realize it went into the green first. Huh. Okay. So the float, so I, which float did we do? I remember putting in, in a pig pen or something or a, something like that. I can't remember yeah, exactly what it was. We put in a private property. There used to yeah. be some pigs there. That property has changed in hands multiple times. But oh, is it? Okay. We put in halfway through that 20 mile stretch. Okay. And then we we floated down to the Mosquito Bridge where all the mosquitoes live. Every one of the mosquitoes in Colorado was there that evening that we got out of that boat. <laughs> I don't remember where we stopped, but. Yes, was, sir. That's the Pump House huh. Bridge, and those mosquitoes live there year round. Yeah, they do. That was awful, but we caught the snot out of some good <laughs> fish that day. It was well worth all the mosquito bites that I took home. But uh, <laughs> yeah, bring your deep. Yeah, no doubt. That's a that's a great insight because I I, I kind of always looked at the Yampa is is starting right below stagecoach, and I think the reason why I did that is because I went up stagecoach and, and fished a little bit, and I thought, oh well, it must start here, you know, or whatever. I didn't realize that there were more reservoirs above. I knew there was one or two below stagecoach, but I didn't realize there was more going on upstream. We drove up the road past stagecoach and out to some big. Gosh, they're just big rocks sticking out of the out of the middle of this field. Huge rocks, like four or five stories high, if I remember right. But we didn't even look for the river that much. I mean, I'm sure I saw it if I crossed over it, but I had always said, "Well, it's it starts here, you know, below stagecoach." So it's interesting to get a you know a line of sight all the way through from top to bottom, knowing that okay, there's a bunch of water there that I need to go investigate because there's so much water and there's small pieces of public all around too if you kind of if you get that book and you get a map you can kind of see what's going on you can get onyx which i'm sure everybody knows about that you can see public and private land yeah which is yeah. pretty crucial in colorado yeah there's some big time big time information out there you need to know about as far as who owns what and why and what to stay away from so well, let's go ahead and kick this show off so everybody can figure out who it is we're talking to from high atop the world headquarters of Southeastern Fly. This is the Southeastern Fly podcast. Feel free to share this with your friends and your fishing partners. Uh, if you like the work we're doing here, just share it with your friends. If you don't like the work we're here, share it with the people you hate. If you find value in the podcast and you want to give back, just drop by the Southeastern Fly store and uh, simply make a purchase of a T-shirt and a hat. That's what uh, keeps this thing going. So who is our guest today on Southeastern Fly? This guy is one of my favorite guides in the country. He's enthusiastic about the, his area of the world. Uh, he does trout fishing up in Steamboat, and then he does uh, tarpon fishing down in the Keys. Today, we're going to talk about Steamboat, and we'll see about getting Andy back on here to do a tarpon, give us uh, an idea of what happens on tarpon trips. But Please welcome to the podcast, Andy Janowski. Andy, thanks for stopping by, man. 
Oh, sure thing. Thanks for having me on. Been looking forward to doing this one. I've kind of kept it on the back burner for a while, uh, just so that I could kind of get in a little bit of a groove. And I guess I really want our audience to enjoy Steamboat Springs as much as I did. Because we spent a little over a week out there, and it's one of the best times that I've had. For anybody that's that's familiar with Tennessee, it has mountains. It's it's in the valley. Steamboat's in, in the valley. The Yampa runs right through the middle of it. And it's very similar, honestly, to a, a little valley over in uh, around Chattanooga called the Sequatchie Valley, except the Steamboat is a much bigger, wider area. That area is bigger and wider than the Sequatchie Valley, and there's a lot of altitude out there, so you get a lot of uh, of thin air versus all the high humidity you get get in in uh, southern Tennessee. So, to me, Steamboat's an interesting area, and I just want everybody to like it as much as I do. It's like a lot of other western towns that that are out there. You know, the small towns, it's similar to Breckenridge. It's similar to you know, all those types of towns, but it's also, to me, it's different because it's very much a cowboy town too. And people are always, you know, wanting to know what, what where should I fish when I'm planning a trip to Colorado or, or Southern Wyoming? And when they, when I mention the Yampa, they don't really know where it's located exactly. They're kind of a little bit, oh, where's that? Is that here or here? And when you say, no, it's close to Steamboat, everybody says, oh, I've always wanted to go to Steamboat. But most people have to look on a map to figure out where you are, Andy, <laughs> just to be honest. So just with that in mind, that that most of the folks that probably listen to this, this podcast are going to be traveling. So if you keep that in mind, and we'll kind of, like I was that, that uh, the week we were out there, we were traveling. So just keep in mind that some people are coming out on vacation. Uh, some are coming out just strictly to fish, and they're going to spend a day or two there. So if you can kind of kind of get uh keep that in mind uh and since it's off the beaten path and there's really not a ton of info information on it like there would be some of the other really high profile rivers out there uh let's start out with the what flies you think are necessary to bring on the yampa and let's try to stick if you want to you could hit those upper parts of the river but if you can stick from like uh through maybe through Steamboat that area, uh, maybe from upper the upper part up there, above town, all the way through town, and then down. Let's go down to wherever it kind of starts turning into Pike in the smallmouth water, which is probably a whole other episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a lot of information to throw at you. But if we could just stick with maybe flies and, and uh, you know tips for fishing those patterns and good patterns and how to build patterns and that sort of thing. I think that'd be good. Oh yeah. David, you were talking about seeing all those big rocks sticking up yeah. up in the, he yeah. the headwaters area. Those are all limestone. Oh, are they? Okay. So the Yampa is a high alkalinity river, which means it's real basic. So rivers like that, spring creeks are what people are familiar with. Very productive. Lots yeah. of leeches, lots of worms, lots of crawfish. Pretty good bug life, but not, not a million species of bugs. So up high, leeches and crawfish. Leeches and crawfish up high. Okay. That's almost Thanks, it. Up above sir. stagecoach, you're you're almost just worms, leeches, and crawfish. You're just nymphing them, you're stripping them, usually pretty slow, usually olive. Um, 
And then as you get down, you get more bugs going on. So the, the tailwater stuff is pretty standard for tailwaters. Really small flies, 18s, 20s, 22s, black beauties, zebra midges, massacre midge. I don't know. Have you fished? Do you fish the massacre midge? No. Tell me about that. Have you fished any of the little midges with a foam tab on them? Yeah. Uh Yeah, Yeah. that little foam tab, those little midges crush. Yeah. We actually fished one of those the other day, but I didn't realize that's what that was called. They got, there's a couple different patterns, a couple different names for them, but they kind of, stay centered in the water column. So I like fishing one of those heavier nymphs above it. Uh-huh. And, and then you can kind of keep in your mind that that, that foam tab on that little midge is floating up a little bit. And it's, yeah, it's probably swimming kind of weird. Cause that, that foam tab is square. So it's kind of acting in my mind, something like a crankbait and kind of wiggling back and forth. Yeah. Right. Those things absolutely crush in any kind of small, small water, tailwater kind of situation. Uh, I had to I had to think back. I'll look that up and see where I can find one of those. Yep. So you go through all that tailwater stuff. It's honestly pretty standard tailwater stuff. Small. You're not catching fish. Just keep going smaller. Keep going lighter line. Uh, a lot of visual stuff going on. Bad weather is better. And hot weather is worse. Uh, very seasonal river as most cut rivers are. Um, so the wintertime, you're going to be going... Fish are all going to be slow because their metabolism slow. So you got to put it in their face. Right. We'll, we'll eat a variety of stuff and never forget about beads in those situations too. Beads and egg patterns. If that's what you're into, if you want to catch fish, then that's always a good option to catch fish. I tell you what, somebody's flipping out right now saying they're fishing beads and egg patterns in Colorado. And I mean, Colorado kind of had this, mystique about it of oh you can only fish dries you have to hit on the right pattern and you know if they're hitting size 20s you gotta have you gotta throw a size 20 you know and blah 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 and now you're saying i just toss an egg in there (laughs) i've had these i've had some of these fish right off the trail in the middle of town 20 inch fish you're looking at it you throw a bunch of little nymphs at it you throw a freaking bead at it and it Acts like you just threw a Twinkie to a fat kid. It, <laughs> lit, it tractor beams right over there and just <laughs> eats it in front of your face, and you can't believe it actually did it. And you yank it right out of its mouth. Don't even hook it. Yes. But somewhere around town, the the fish turn more into free stony kind of fish. So wintertime, you're throwing all those midges. Springtime, you're getting into BWOs as far as hatches go. And all those standard bars emergers, zebra midges, like I was saying, small olive midges, emergers, any of the local fly shops will line you out with whatever fly they think is good at that time. Uh, I I really like tungsten jig nymphs these days too. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that stuff too, yes. And I'm a big fan of loop knots. Oh, okay. Amongst those rigs too. Well, let's talk about that a minute. Why are we doing that? I love the loop knot because it keeps things loose on the line. If you look at a, a standard fisherman's knot, a cinch knot, and you cast a couple times, it's got a weird angle on it, and then it's going to float in the water with that weird angle. Mm-hmm. If you tie a loop knot, you throw it in the water, it floats at its natural angle, which is a little more horizontal. True, yeah. Which, which I think makes a huge difference, which kind of brings me to another point, which is Tying your dropper from your first fly, we're always fishing two flies, 
through the eyelet of the first fly. Yeah. So that your fly actually sticks out. Because sometimes a fish can't even bite your fly because if your line is tied to the bend of the hook of the first fly, it kind of creates a barrier of the fish not even able to to bite that fly because the line's gonna it's gonna block its mouth. It's almost like a weed guard, isn't it? If you think exactly. about that on a hook. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you need if you need to drop down and tippet size, you can just drop a little more tag end off of that and tie a tag of your tippet off of that tag end off the middle off the top fly and and do that, you know, step it down there. So yeah, that's exactly. a good exactly. Yeah. I actually used one the other day just because it was easier at the time, uh, a loop knot, and we fished it for a while and caught some fish, but I don't even know why in the heck I put it on there and did did that, but I just did who knows why I do stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've 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 come to just do a bunch of stuff and I don't even know if it actually works or if it's just where your confidence is. It's all about your confidence, right? I really think it is. Your confidence and your angler's confidence. If your angler's confident in the fly you give them and they they fish it better. I know they do. I've watched Absolutely. it. I mean, they may fish it even if they don't if you're not confident in the fly and they catch on to that, they'll still fish it good for a two or three or four drifts, but before long, you can see shoulder slumping and rod kind of dangling, big loop going on for the first eye between the first eye and the reel. And, you know, they're just not into it if you're not into it. So that's so true. Okay. So I stopped you right in the middle of town fishing Pete's. Uh, so let's move on down just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> let's yep. move on down so, just a little bit. Yep. So as you get down, you kind of start throwing bigger flies more girdle bugs, stone flies, bigger PMD nymphs, bigger hare's ears. It depends what time of the year. The lower the water, the smaller the flies I like to throw. Yeah. And depending on which hatch is going on, we have a phenomenal trico hatch oh. in August. Oh, that's September. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw part of that when I was out there. Yes. Yeah, it can start early, but yep. when that water gets low in August and September, the... The trichos are in clouds. I've never seen trichos anywhere in the country like I've seen them here. Yeah. And throwing those tiny flies, and you can try and mess around with the dry fly thing, but I wanted to catch fish. <laughs> so I throw underwater flies. Yeah. Yeah. Won't necessarily call them nymphs, drown trichos, whatever. Pseudo clones also, same kind of deal. Uh, just be observant of what kind of bugs you're looking at because any kind of bugs can pop out different times of the year. Yeah, uh, we we got those PMDs in June. We got green drakes in June. We got golden stoneflies in June. We got grasshoppers in July. We got we got those trichos in August and pseudoclones in August. We got brown drakes, mahogany duns, and some other weird stonefly kind of things. Some calabatus in september and into the fall we got october caddis so you really got to kind of yeah. keep your keep your eyes out for what kind of bugs are hatching what what do you think the best time of year is to come out there and fish this far as, not not just the fishing part but overall overall if, it, you, if you were able to fit, spend like one month out there and that was it right now right now okay right now mid-june is amazing it's okay. still green there's no fires in the west because fires in the west are a big thing these days yeah and nobody wants to be, hang outside when you can't even see the mountains and it's too smoky to even breathe yeah 
Uh, so June, it's green. There's wildflowers around. You can float the rivers. There's white water going on. There's just tons of stuff going on in June. Yeah. So without a doubt, last half of June is my favorite. I think I was there like mid July ish week after 4th of July, whatever that was. But, and it was, there was tons of things to do out there that time of year too. Just, I mean, a ton of, of different not just fishing. The fishing was great and all that, but there was a lot going on. So good hiking, that sort of thing. So if anybody wants to look into that, and let's take just a time out here and uh, take out just a few, few seconds here and go into commercial. So we'll be right back. Fishing with Southeastern Fly on a guided drift boat puts you on the best fishing and can help you learn additional skills. Southeastern Fly fishes for rainbow, brown trout, and smallmouth on the Caney Fork Elk and the Obey River, all in Middle Tennessee. In addition to this podcast, Southeastern Fly can also help you with casting lessons or improve your fishing skills with one-on-one online coaching sessions. Come fish from the casting braces of the Southeastern Fly one of Middle Tennessee's most experienced guide services. To book a guided trip, go to southeasternfly.com and tell them you heard it on the Southeastern Fly podcast. All right, we're back. So we, we covered the water from top to bottom. Uh, we talked about the different uh, patches and the different flies and that sort of thing. And we kind of hit uh, just a little bit uh on the different things to to or, or the best time to be out there to see the different things and what i want to do is um andy just get kind of a an idea about the area and what to what to expect non-fishing this is more for our traveling uh vacationing anglers maybe going to be out there with their family and that sort of thing kind of tell us what there is to do out there non-fishing wise and then I'll I can chime in here a little bit but I want to I want to get your perspective especially as a local out there as, as to what's what's good to do out there. So one of the things that sets Steamboat apart from some of the other towns that you talked about like Breckenridge and Copper and Vale is Steamboat's a really good family town. Good for family vacations. There's stuff for everybody to do. Tons of shops down st- downtown. Candy shops for the kids, nice clothing stores and souvenir stores for everybody else, fishing shops, outdoor stores. So if shopping's your thing, you go do that. There's farmer's markets, sometimes on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, uh, all summer. There's free concerts going on every weekend, usually every day, one place or another. There's... Steamboats had more Olympians come out of here than anywhere in the world. So we have summer training facilities. You can watch Olympians go off the huge jumps in the summertime, landing on AstroTurf, going 75 yep. feet through there. Yep. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> we got we got your standard Western rodeo. Great time, especially if nobody's ever been to a rodeo. Kids are going to leave the day thinking that there are cowboys and cowgirls. It's a crazy amount of trails around. Steamboat is named after a hot spring. There's two different hot springs in town. Both are some of the coolest hot springs I've ever been to. It, hunting in the fall, Steamboat is got tons of animals around. So anybody that's into hunting, this is some of the best elk hunting and deer hunting around. 
There's whitewater in the springtime. One of the other reasons that June's my favorite is you got the Colorado River's got some whitewater. You got Yampa River's got whitewater right through town. You got some pretty big whitewater about 50 miles downstream called Cross Mountain. There's dude ranches around where the kids can ride horses and pretend they're cowboys again. And there's just so much stuff to do. There's all, there's tons of golf courses. Wintertime, there's biking or skiing. Summertime, there's biking. And 47 restaurants in town. For a town Ooh. of 14,000 people, we have phenomenal wow. food. So yeah, whether you're yeah. going for fine dining at Cafe Diva or Mambo or 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 Primrose or any of the numerous fine dining places we have, or you're just going for a family dining experience, we got tons of that. Or just a grab and go. There's tons of good food in Steamboat. Breweries, we got three different breweries. You got There's a chocolate just, shop. We got multiple chocolate shops. <laughs> we got an olive oil store for all your oil needs. Mm. Olive oil can be so good. We uh, we ate at Mambo. We ate at several places, but Mambo stuck out. It was really, really good Italian food. I enjoyed that meal. Yeah, I'm fixing to get free food by telling people to go there because I love that spot. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It really is good. Yeah, but there's a good, I don't remember where the chocolate shop was, but I think the thing that kind of sets, kind of gets you amped up to get the steamboat is all the FM light signs that that on the way into town uh, that are the big yellow signs that have, uh, what is it, FM light? Is that what it is? FM light and signs. Yeah, I've got their hat on. I've had this hat. Since we we were out there, it's been the best dang hat, man. It's not a cowboy hat; it's just a just a ball cap. But yeah, and there's I don't know how many of those signs there are. I'm sure somebody's counted them all. But oh, uh, there's there's got to be a hundred of them. Easy, easily, yeah. And there's some of the biggest, nicest looking places of land out there on the way in. And then you'll see this big yellow sign that says, "Hey, you need to check this out. We got boots, we got hats, and that." I think that I was like, what is all, what is it? I'm going to have to go in this store if they went to all that trouble to put up all these signs. But I think the coolest thing in there is there, and we'll get back to fishing here in a second. I haven't forgotten this is a fishing podcast, so don't write me an email. But I think the coolest thing in there is they have a glass counter that was brought out on a, a stagecoach or on a wagon or stagecoach still in the store from, I don't remember if it was 1913 or something like that. It was still in there when we were out there. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, Steamboat's just, yeah, it's just steeped in Western tradition and history out here too. Yeah. And like you say, it's a good, it's a little bit, a little bit more laid back of a town than like Breckenridge or, or Copper or, or, you know, any of those little towns at Aspen, anything like that. It's just it's like, I think you're right. I think it is a little more of a family town. So. Well, let's move on before I start getting hate mail. But uh, I just wanted to, you know, more than half of our audience are traveling folks with families wanting to look for a place to go on vacation. I highly recommend Steamboat for sure. So let's move on to the next question here. And what I want to know about this one is we have a lot of folks that come out and wade that will come out and wade. Not everybody's going to hire a guide and everybody's going to fish from a boat, although a lot of folks will at least one day they normally do. But I fished a couple of days out there just wading around too uh, and caught some fish. It wasn't, it was, I mean, it was, I pretty much used what I used here. So, but I wasn't, you know, trying to set any records or anything, but 
What are some tips for wading anglers, like in late spring and then late, then in summer and then in fall? If you could give us just a little bit of maybe some tactical approaches and maybe some of the accessible wading areas. But also, I think the important thing here are the private property laws and knowing how to find out, am I on private property or not? Uh, we'll start at the private property thing because that's kind of a big deal. They do not have to post private property to give you a ticket. So just be careful. Uh, that Onyx app is really nice to know where you are. It, it tells you exactly where you are. It has a picture, satellite imagery, has who owns the property next to you, who owns the property you're on, as far as like BLM or state land or anything. And in Colorado, if it says state land, it doesn't necessarily mean it's public land. It has to say public access on it. Uh, the state land can be leased by someone else. So we got that. that. Didn't yep. know that. Okay. Six miles of public land in town, which is excellent fishing. Yep. Super good. Chuck Lewis is slightly upstream. There's only like a mile of private water between town and Chuck Lewis. And our Trout Unlimited has helped buy that land and make it really good fishing. So that's really good fishing too. Um, but just be careful that you know where you are and then fish to the conditions that you're in. Like I was saying earlier, if you're seeing a certain hatch, start figuring out which kind of bugs look like what bugs you're seeing out there. Nymphing is pretty much always going to be the most productive method. And I really like those tungsten nymphs because they sink right to where the fish are. Yeah. I love that thing that someone said, some famous dude said, the difference between a good fisherman and a great fisherman is one split shot. <laughs> yes. That's so true. It is, isn't it? <laughs> Bef before you even start changing your flies, add some split shot, change your depth a little bit, change something, you know? Yeah, man, if you don't know anything else, change your depth. Try to at least do that. That's what I tell people all the time. If you just want to go out and fish and you, you know, you want to catch a fish or two and you're not really dialed in, you don't want to change flies all day, at least change the depth of your indicator. At the very yep. least, do that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and we got a lot of fish in town here. And that six miles of public water is probably the easiest place to catch fish. Chuck Lewis has a little bit bigger fish. So if you're you already caught some fish. You're on the board. You want to try and hunt for that 20 inch brown trout, 24 inch brown trout. Go up to Chuck Lewis. Okay. Because that's I didn't where go you up get there. I hadn't been a up little there. A little bit bigger fish. Okay. A little tougher too. A little slower water. One cool thing about all this water right around town too is night fishing. Oh, okay. As long as long as the temperatures are okay. The last few years we've been flirting with high water temperatures later in the year, so. If it's August, certainly only fish in the morning. Yeah. Late July, probably the same deal to kind of keep a thermometer on you and quit fishing when the temperature hits 70, 72, something like that. Yeah. Maybe don't take pictures of fish if it's up above 68 or so. Yeah. Just try and be nice to the fish. We're still kind of in a drought up here, but I like to tell people also to fish very carefully. Don't just trudge around to what you think is the best looking spot. Walk and look, walk slowly, kind of keep yourself concealed a little bit. You're not the first dude walking through the bushes looking for fish here. <laughs> so you can, our sidewalk is uh, in town is 15 feet off of the river in a lot of spots. You can walk by 
Look at these fish as you're walking. They won't move. You stop with a fishing rod and look at these fish all lackadaisically over them. Point your rod over them or whatever. They'll swim away. They know that you're a fisherman. (laughs) (laughs) We walked that that exact sidewalk and saw those fish. But I didn't have a rod. And they were. They were just sitting there. (laughs) Exactly. Did you throw some grasshoppers at them? No, I didn't. I Go didn't. And I catch have. him out of the bushes. Right. <laughs> Throw him in there. I should have. <laughs> yep. Also be aware of, of river closures around town too, because if our dissolved oxygen, our water level, or our temperatures get to a detrimental level for the fish, they'll actually close town. Will they really? I didn't know that. Yep. So huh. if you have a trip planned or if you are planning a trip in late July or August, check on that first because you might not be able to fish in town. Yeah, so be be flexible if you go out there in, in those times of years and know that you may not be able to fish exactly where you think you want to. Exactly. If it's hot, you're going to have to fish in the high country. Yeah, which isn't isn't bad. It's not a it's bad. It's not bad at all. I, I the more <laughs> the older I get, the more I prefer just going up there with a couple of foam ants and throwing <laughs> some foam ants and some fish that'll do what they're supposed to do and eat it. Exactly. Yeah. So what else? What else about fishing there? If I'm if I'm coming in, is it is it all five weights, four weights, three weights? What do you suggest I bring out there? Three weights up in the high country and high mountain lakes. Five weights and six weights in town. Maybe a seven weight for streamer if you if you think you need it, but you don't necessarily need anything bigger than that. If you want to target the pike, it might not be a bad idea to throw some wire on because yeah. we have the biggest pike in the state. Some dude caught a 38-pound pike in stagecoach last year. Wow. Dang. I see forty. I see forty-inch pike in town every year. Huh? We and saw, I have a hoop trying to catch those things. We we saw one. We fished for one that day that uh, we were on the lower part of the river, and it never even never even looked. But for some reason, I didn't know that there were. I was really surprised there were pike in there. I don't know why, because it's a trout stream. You don't usually have pike in a trout stream around here, but we don't have pike. So, like I was saying the other night, I, I want to go to Michigan and do a pike trip, but. It was fun to mess with it anyway. I don't think, I don't even think we got a look from it. I think it just soaked off and left. I can't remember exactly, but we never had a chance with it. But still, it's fun to mess with something different, you know? Yep. Uh, can you get, can you get a boat on stagecoach? Is that, I can't remember, I don't remember seeing any boats at all up there, but. Oh, yeah. You can definitely okay. get a boat on stagecoach. In Colorado, there's uh, an inspection, aquatic invasive species inspection deal. Too. Mm-hmm. So you just have to get your boat inspected before you put it in there. Okay. All right. But stagecoach has managed to catch a lot of fish. So they stock a ton of rainbow trout in there. So it's a good spot to take kids and stuff and go catch a bunch of rainbows. Okay. Colorado goes the extra mile on a lot of little things to keep their resource, you know, like closing town. I don't know if anybody would ever do that here is to close down a section of river unless it was, you know, a spawning place. And aquatic insect inspection, we don't have that here. Well, I don't want to get into anything like that, but we don't have that sort of stuff here for trout. So it's mostly stock trout in Tennessee, unless you go up high or up into uh, Upper East Tennessee. So, yeah. But y'all, they do a pretty good job of doing that sort of stuff. I'm sure they lack on some other things, but they're not asking me either. So probably not asking you or me, are they? No, they don't even look at me. A pike shocking boat went by me today. Oh, really? 
Yeah, they. I think they felt my disdain for <laughs> their f- efficacy because <laughs> trying to shock Pike at five thousand CFS or three thousand CFS high water is just ridiculous. Yeah, kind of tough to get anything to come up. If you do, it's probably gonna be a trout. <laughs> yeah, give me give me your budget, and I'll kill twice as many Pike. <laughs> a snorkel and a spear. That's all you need. All you need. Yeah. What's the one question that we didn't ask about fishing the Yampa near Steamboat that we should have asked? It kind of goes, the West is getting more crowded all the time. And for me, etiquette is a big thing too. So giving people room, do what mama said, treat people the way that you want to be treated. If you see somebody working up river, Give them tons of room. Maybe even just go downriver them. Uh, in town, you can kind of squeeze closer to other people, but give people tons of room. Just don't don't crowd people, and be nice to the fish. Not everybody needs to take pictures of every fish all the time, and you don't have to get the perfect picture of the fish, especially if the water's warm. And that also just goes into the time of the year of later in the summer when that water is really warm and the fish are kind of hurting just figure out a different spot to kind of fish there's so many fish in so many spots around here there's so many rivers around here too not only do we have the yampa through town but we got the elk which is about the same size as the yampa coming in really close to town yeah and that's a real short river but it's colder there's no dams on it pretty high gradient Still really good fish on it and plenty of public access and plenty of tributaries to that thing. You go catch fish up there in that cold water. There's tons of lakes around. Like you were talking about a a family road trip. There's so many other rivers super close to here too. I'm sure a lot of your audience has heard of the Green River in Utah and Flaming Gorge. Yeah. That's two. That's only two and a half hours from here. Really? So you can go... Yeah, you can go two and a half hours from here, and they boasted 16,000 fish a mile a couple years ago. Crazy amount of fish. And that's below a huge dam. And it's one of the prettiest places I've ever fished in my life, too. It's a Red Rock Canyon. Oh, nice. Million fish. Really good terrestrial fishing because it's on the cusp of the desert. So Mm. it's almost always warmer over there. They have all these weird bugs, lots of crickets. Lots of grasshopper species. They have these big red crickets on certain years called Mormon crickets. They have cicadas every year. You always y'all got cicadas back there, right? Yeah, coming up on 13 years. And 17 years will actually coming up in the next year, I think. So yeah. And there's yeah. annual too. But yeah, not. so you got cicadas all all every year, right? Yeah, but not a ton of them. There's there can be a there's pretty much always cicadas over on the green there too. Which is something to keep out an eye out for on the Yampa too. But yeah. anyway, there's also there's another river called the White River. It's about an hour and a half from here. Uh, the Blue River isn't super far from here. There's another creek called Muddy Creek that's in between here and Silverthorn. Silverthorn is where the Blue River is. Yeah, that's a cool small creek that's below a dam that's always cold. You can always fish that thing. And there's there's just a lot of places you can go fish, and if you plan your vacation here and it's too warm to fish here. There's just so many other places you can still go. Don't think that 
everything's ruined and you can't go fish and you have to go fish these fish in town because that's what you planned on doing. Yeah. I think I would start looking up, up in elevation. Definitely. Exactly. And below yeah. dams because there's tons yeah. of dams in Colorado. Yeah. We do a lot of wonky water moving around Colorado to get water closer to California, grow those vegetables. Yes. Yes. So with that comes (laughs) avocados and and everybody's heard of the Colorado river too, but that's a super sweet resource that there are so many different sections and so many different characters of the Colorado river too. Yes. Yeah. I fished it in the park and I fished. I've always wanted to fish through Kremlin through that little section that comes when we were traveling like from Silverthorne to steamboat. You, when you cross it, I'm like, there's a, just a nice looking section of water there but i've never stopped and, and even looked at it i've just passed over it and said i need to try that one day. <laughs> you and me both brother i never stopped there either you haven't huh well maybe we need to get a trip out there and go see what the heck it's like i'm, I'm sure there's something really good in there that that everybody's missing <laughs> yeah exactly uh not too far below there enters a big time whitewater canyon yeah called, i've heard of that called gore canyon yeah i fished out the other side of it and put in it rancho i put in there and put up put in it uh twin bridges or state bridge one of the two so i fished a little bit of it but i've got a friend that whitewater kayaks and he's talking about how good it would be to go out there and do that that section of canyon that you're talking about and i'm just like i'm i'm my deadline is passed on that sort of activity <laughs> yeah gore gore canyons some pretty serious class five sharp rocks yeah yeah i'm not sure i'm ready for that but there are salmon flies around there too oh okay you know about <laughs> y'all know about salmon flies right yes yes there are salmon flies in there huh yeah there's salmon flies there right now no kidding one of the hardest hatches to hit in the country yeah but using a dry fly the size of your pinky is kind of worth trying yeah it is yeah that's like trying a cicada isn't it well, that sounds like fun. They're honestly they're like twice the size of a cicada. Are they really? They're I know they're longer, yeah. but huh? Well, you ready to sh- close this thing out? I can't believe it's been it's been an hour though. So that makes it just goes quick. Whenever I know the subject or know the rivers, and you talk about them, it just takes me right back. Time to plan <laughs> another vacation out there. <laughs> Time flies when you're talking fishing. Yeah, it does. Well, feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your fishing partners. Subscribe or follow so you'll be the first to know when an episode drops. Again, if you find value in the podcast and you want to support the work we do on these episodes, just drop by the Southeastern Fly store at southeasternfly.com and simply make a purchase of a hat or a t-shirt. So who was our guest today? Again, one of my favorite guides in the country, Andy Janowski. Uh, You can find Andy at in steamboat at straight line sports or you can contact him directly uh you can find him on instagram at trouty water andy man it was good to talk to you and good to see you again great to see you man you got to come back out and experience another day like you did last time oh boy that was a that was a humdinger wasn't it <laughs> oh my god yeah that was that was uh that may have been a once in a lifetime deal i don't know it was a good trip all the way around and before we go, let me tell you, let me tell you how you and I actually got together. I called straight line and I told him my same spill. I said, I'm going to get on the river. I know it's short, short notice and all that. I understand that, but I want to be in a hard boat 
I don't want to be in a raft. And I sure don't want to wade because it was, I just don't want to do that. And I said, I don't want a guide that's an asshole. And they said, oh, okay, well, we've got just the guy. And it was you. And I was like, this is perfect, man. Before we ever caught the first fish, I was like, this is going to be a good day. I mean, we <laughs> we did the whole thing. We saw the eagle. We did all that stuff. The only thing we didn't see out there was a bear. And we saw one of those later. Uh, but anyway, that's how we got hooked up. And I'm, I'm really glad we did. And, and uh, we'll have to have you back around here for the uh, talk about tarpon down in the Keys and around Isle of Marotta. Uh, we'll try to do that and, and uh, get that out there before you before you start your 2024 season. But uh, sure appreciate you stopping by and you just listening to Andy Janowski on Southeastern Fly. See you next time.